Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message, and may God bless you richly through it. The first scripture lesson this morning is from James chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The second reading is from Matthew, chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and you see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowd concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Here ends our reading. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Kind of got joy at both ends of Jesus' life represented in the readings this morning, so... For the preacher, I've got to kind of bridge over, reach over some time. We started by reciting together part of what's called in Latin the Magnificat, which means magnifies, the first word in Latin, of Mary's song. It's also called in fancy words the canticle or song of Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord. Now the setting in which Mary recited this, by the way, she had gone to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Probably several purposes here. Uh, one is she's betrothed with child. It's kind of appropriate to go visit a cousin for a while. Elizabeth, you'll remember, after having been not able to bear a child for many years, an angel appeared and said, here he comes. Her husband said, I go on. The angel said, okay, you can't speak until you name your child. And poor Zechariah was stuck mute for the whole pregnancy. Served him right. Don't go doubting angels lightly, I guess. 
And when Mary speaks a greeting to Elizabeth, Elizabeth does that, oh, look. It happens when a baby kicks. And she said, when I heard your voice, the babe within me leapt for joy. Recognizing the first one to recognize the incarnate Christ was his cousin John, still in Elizabeth's womb. Wow. And he leapt for joy. Mary's response is not, you had a kid special. Mary's response is the world turned upside down. When the last of the British troops surrendered to the colonial army during the Revolutionary War, the the Brits were great for marching into tunes that had meaning, and they marched onto the field of surrender, playing the tune, the world turned upside down. For them it was. For Mary, the world is turned upside down, and we get a part of that in the song. God has shown strength with his arm and scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God turns upside down those of us who in our intellect or in our ego, which is, by the way, just Greek for I, he scatters those thoughts. He turns those upside down. We are not the source of our greatness. We are not the focus of our own greatness. It's easy to start thinking so if we get proud of something we're able to do. I'm not having that problem relearning how to teach calculus, but in some things we get, look what I've done. Look what I can do. And way, way, way back in Deuteronomy, God says, you didn't do that. His gifts are for me. Brought the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He turns power upside down. Any of you who have heard me speak privately know that in my thoughts, it isn't money that's the root of all evil. It's the power that comes from it. The lust for power is what got Lucifer thrown from heaven to become the deceiver, Satan. Lust for power causes people to walk all over others to get the power, then to use the power. If you ever watch someone with great power, it's never quite enough. God turns that upside down he lifts the lowly. Remember, until Jesus, there wasn't a positive word in Greek for meek. Meek meant milk post. Meek meant weak. Not humble, submissive, caring. An economic upturn filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. In the kingdom of God, already come and yet to be, no one should be hungry. While anyone has more than enough, no one should have less. We really produce or can produce enough food in this world to feed everybody. Go back to that power thing about why it doesn't get where it needs to be. Go back to the, the ego thing for why it isn't shared. To have plenty should be to be able to share. To have more than enough should be to be able to give, not hoard away and keep for ourselves. This is how Mary responds. Young teenage girl, 
not married, has said to the messenger of God, your will be done. If you want me to do this difficult thing, I'm risking family, I'm risking reputation. Bearing a child in any age, but especially back then, is risking her life to bring God into the world in human flesh. Wow. What a response to a babe in the womb who leaps for joy at the very hearing of the voice of the one bearing his cousin, bearing his Savior, bearing the one whom he is to herald. He is to announce ahead of time. Then we have poor John. You know, John's ministry did not end well. He was in prison because he dared to speak out against a king who visited his brother and seduced his sister-in-law, took her home with him and divorced his wife to marry the sister-in-law. That was not a good thing in the eyes of God's law. John the Baptist was not a subtle man. John was that not there to make excuses for anybody in power. He spoke out against it. He suffered what might be called natural and logical consequences. He's in an underground prison. This man of the desert, this man of the open breezes, this man who, as far as we know, didn't even live in a house, was locked up in a basement prison and will eventually literally forfeit his head on a whim of a young girl and her mother. Yikes. But while he's there, he has to send his disciples and say to Jesus, are you the one that's to come? A lot of people today didn't understand that the Mashiach and the one who comes in the name of the Lord is another name for the Messiah would not come on a white horse with a flaming sword, put an end to Roman rule, and free God's people in a political and worldly sense. That's what they wanted. That's what they expected. That's what they thought. John says, have we got it wrong? Have I wasted my life and ministry, my cousin? Jesus doesn't say, I am what I told you I am. Jesus doesn't say, listen to what I speak. Jesus tells John's disciples, you go back and tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. Even the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus is harking back all the way to Mary's speech. I don't know if he heard it in the womb or what. Maybe mama told him later. But the world turned upside down. He tells John, look at what your disciples see and hear. Let them tell you what is happening. Are these not the signs promised by the prophets for the coming kingdom of the Lord? Wow. What joy we can have. Not the dance for joy. I doubt John was doing that in prison. It's not the joy of something as, I don't want to say insignificant. It was a good word. 
for army beating navy that doesn't denigrate it, but it's not the center of the universe by any stretch. I can't dance anyway, so it doesn't matter. But a joy of fulfillment of God's kingdom, a joy of restoration to God through Jesus Christ. The people are, they must have been thinking, the, the local disciples and those who had gone out to see John, is John doubting? What's wrong with John? Jesus says, no, 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 no. What'd you go out to see, a reed shaken by the wind? By the way, that was a, an expression. If you went near the water, you saw, around here it's cattails. You saw all the tall grasses, the reeds. And if something were very common, one would say, it's just like a reed shaken in the wind. We see those all over the place. That was the expression. Did you go to see someone dressed fancy, wearing robes, vestments, and whatever? No, they're in the king's court, the worldly kings. Leave them alone. Did you go to see a prophet? Yes. It was prophesied that before the Messiah could appear, Elijah would appear again. Elijah being the, the arch prophet. Elijah being the, the stereotype for all prophets from the Old Testament. He said, yes, you see a prophet and more. And a good Jew of the day would have heard Elijah ringing in his ears. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. Then he says, there's no one been born of woman greater than John the Baptist, and yet, poor John, he lifts him up above all others and says the least in the kingdom is greater than he. We can rejoice that we have something John didn't get to know in this life. Like Moses, who saw the promised land but wasn't allowed to enter. John is sent to herald the coming of the Son of Man, Son of God, King of Peace, God with us, Son of David, pick a name. John was the herald. John was the new Elijah. He didn't live to see. The greatest gift God ever gave to humankind Brace yourselves, it wasn't really Christmas. Christmas was the first one. John did not live to see the crucifixion and the resurrection. John did not get to live to see what the real rest of the story was. He's still looking for the king of glory the first time around. He's still looking for the savior on the white horse that we will see in Revelation, that we will see in heaven. But instead, he's got his humble cousin who said, no, John, you've got to baptize me to fulfill scripture. He's got his humble cousin who says, don't listen to my grand words. Don't listen to anything that you think you've heard me say. See what God is doing and rejoice that the kingdom of God is in fact, at hand. Which is why we rejoice that the kingdom of God is in the already and the not yet. 
We know the story. We know the love. We know the joy of God working his kingdom out. And yet, we look forward to that kingdom being fulfilled on earth as it already is in heaven. For Jesus to reign in all hope, peace, joy, and love here on earth with the kingdom fulfilled to match that which he's already brought into our hearts, that which he's already promised, that which he's already granted, he will then fulfill for all peoples, for all the world. What great joy, what great hope we have for that which is to come in God's kingdom and joy for the pieces of it that are already given us to take into our hearts. James said it, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice that the peace of God may fill our hearts. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.